Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. So back in uh, the summer of 2014, when I was at Texas A&M, I decided to do a six-week study abroad in Germany. And I was, you know, incredibly excited about this trip. I had uh, been wanting to travel there for uh, many years. I had heard just incredible things uh, about Germany. And so uh, I got with my group of 12 other A&M students, got on a flight, headed over there. And I'll be honest, the first week while we were there was, uh, it was okay. It was fine. Um, You know, we were kind of getting adjusted to the time change. We had a bunch of class that we unfortunately had to take. Uh, We didn't have too much uh, time to explore or have many kind of fun programmed things. And so, uh, you know, the the people were nice. The food was good. And so the first week was fine. Um, You know, our expectations of the trip then started to kind of maybe lessen a little bit. We, um, yeah, just weren't kind of as uh, our expectations were kind of down a little bit for the trip uh, until the day came for Germany to play in the World Cup final against Argentina. And, uh, you know, Germany is a soccer-loving country, and uh, so our excitement kind of started to build a little bit for this event. And so we go all out, and we go to the uh, soccer store, and we all buy jerseys and scarves and flags and German flag eye black, like the whole deal, dress to the nines. And, and so uh, the city that we were in was having a citywide watch party. And so we were like, okay, this is great. We'll go watch the game with thousands of crazy Germans. And so we get there, and we're having a great time. It's a blast. It's a great game. Uh, it's tied at zero. The game goes into overtime. And with about five minutes left, Germany scores. And they go up 1-0. And then uh, some, uh, the last few minutes tick by, the final whistle blows, and Germany has won the 2014 World Cup. And in this moment, absolute just madness ensues. Uh, people start dancing. They're jumping up in the air. People are taking their shirts off, swinging them around their head. Uh, we're hugging all kinds of Germans that we don't know. We're like, dude, I love you, man. Go Germany. Yeah, it's, it, people are shooting flare guns in the air. It's just like total pandemonium. And then uh, everyone runs into the streets of the city. And Folks are running around just uh, singing songs. We're joining in, singing all these German words that we have no idea what they mean. Uh, people are climbing on top of light poles and buses, and it's just total uh, pandemonium, total amazing, chaotic party. And we stayed up all night uh, just singing songs, laughing, dancing around, just having uh, the grandest time and experiencing uh, just this incredible joy as we were just immersed into this awesome uh, moment for Germany, and this what was awesome. Is this tr- uh, is this moment just totally s- changed our view uh, of the trip? We started talking about the trip differently. That was the the first thing I would tell people about when I got home. Was I was there for when they won the World Cup? Absolutely incredible. And as we we got to uh, experience this historical moment in German culture, our our kind of uh, mood went from okay. You know, I'm in Germany, it's okay, whatever, it's fine. To, to, to being, I am in Germany, baby. It was like the greatest thing ever. And so why do I uh, kind of start off with this story? Because this past week, we celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the coming 
of Jesus Christ into this world. The eternal creator and sustainer of the cosmos uh, stepping out of heaven and onto this earth to be on a rescue mission to redeem humanity and change the course of human history. And in the same, uh, and, and, and so often, you know, it's, it's easy for us to just sort of blow by Christmas. It's so easy uh, for us to sort of move through the Christmas season and think it's just okay. You know, it's fine. Jesus' birthday, woohoo! Uh, but this morning, what I want us to do is sort of unpack a little bit more of the glory and significance of this Christmas story. And in the same way that I was blown away by the experience of Germany winning the World Cup, and it, it totally exceeded my expectations, we'll see that there's so much more that meets the eye uh, when we look at this child, Jesus. Jesus coming, it totally exceeds our expectations. We're going to see that there are life-altering realities that this baby boy brings. And we're going to do that by looking at the child Jesus' encounter with a man named Simeon. Now, Simeon, uh, you may or may not have heard of him before, uh, but he was just an ordinary guy. Um, he didn't have any sort of special title or um, special powers or anything like that. But, but Simeon is going to reveal something uh, just absolutely remarkable to us in this passage. And what Simeon will do in this story is start to peel back the curtain into the glory and mystery of this baby boy and what he will accomplish on our behalf. More specifically, we're going to look at two realities that I hope and pray that as we leave this place we will be in awe of. And that's that God is true to his word and that full peace and satisfaction is found in Jesus alone. He's true to his word and that full peace and satisfaction is found in Jesus alone. So to uh, kind of set the stage of what's happening here, uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, being diligent followers of, of God and, and of his word, have come to the temple with their newborn Jesus. And when they arrive, there's a man named Simeon uh, waiting there. And, and what the scripture says is that Simeon was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The scripture, it screams that there is something honorable about this guy waiting in the temple. It says he's righteous and devout. He was righteous. He was a, a loving man of, of high character and, and integrity towards other. And he was devout. He, uh, he loved God's word. He studied it. He knew God's word like, like the palm of his hand. And it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, not only was he uh, a follower of God's word, but, but he was also a man of faith. Um, he held on to God's promises uh, that one day God would send a Messiah into this world to bring restoration, peace, redemption uh, to Israel. He wasn't just a man uh, with, with knowledge in his head, but in his heart as well. He believed God's words in his heart. And lastly, the text says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon uh, was a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit. He listened to, uh, submitted, sat under the counsel uh, of the Spirit. The text says uh, Simeon was in the Spirit on that day that he's in the temple. And what's interesting is, is what we'll see a little bit later in, in, is that Simeon actually received uh, a promise from the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die uh, until he saw the promised Messiah come to this world. 
So anyway, so uh, Simeon is in the temple on this day. He's, he's come and he's, he's ready to worship the Lord. And then Mary and Joseph appear. And Simeon sees them. And somehow uh, in the spirit, revealed to him by the spirit, Simeon knows that this is the one. He knows that this is the Messiah child held uh, by his humble parents. And, I, and I'm sure Simeon probably got up out of his chair. Uh, I'm sure he's, you know, starting to shake at this moment. Maybe, maybe some tears well up uh, in his eyes. He probably can't think straight as he realizes that years and years of waiting for the Messiah are over. I'm sure Simeon got up out of his chair and rushed over to Mary and Joseph and is just like, can I hold him? Can I hold this child? Can I hold this Messiah? And, and it says that uh, Simeon takes the child and he raises him up, and, and I'm sure that the Lion King soundtrack got going in the background, and you just hear, maybe, maybe not, I, I don't know if, if that was written at that point, but uh, anyways, what, uh, but <laughs> as Simeon holds up this baby boy, he sees total just majesty and, and perfection and, and glory, man, what a beautiful moment this must have been for Simeon. What a beautiful moment. And so uh, with that background in mind, we're, we're quickly going to look at a couple things uh, that Simeon sees and, re- and rejoices in as he, as he holds up and, and looks at this child. The first thing is that Simeon is, or, or the first thing Simeon saw is that God is true to his word. The scripture says, it had been revealed to him, Simeon, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God. Simeon had had been told by God, by the Holy Spirit, that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Savior. We don't don't know exactly um, when this promise was made to him, how long Simeon had to wait for this promise to be fulfilled. Uh, But in this fulfillment of the promise, we get a glimpse uh, into the heart of God. The heart of God that, that, that everything that he proclaims that will happen will indeed happen. Simeon, uh, knowing the scripture, knew that back uh, immediately after the, after the moment that sin entered this world, God made a promise that one day a man would come to rescue. One day a man would come to restore us to God and to bring redemption into this world. And Simeon realizes that this day is finally here. This day that God has promised for thousands of years has finally come. And so he can do nothing but rejoice. He joins in the same song that that the shepherds and and, and Zechariah and and the prophetess Anna were, were singing. He can do nothing but rejoice because the one who changes everything and who all of history hinges upon is here. God was faithful to his word to bring a savior. God's promises are true. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to fulfill what he has promised. So my question um, for us today is, what promises are we holding on to? Or in other words, what, in other words, what are we consistently placing our hope in? Um, do we tend to place our hope in, in a government system or maybe a perfect relationship, um, a job, a promotion, maybe finances? Or, or are we placing our hope in the perfect promises of God? 
the perfect promises of God that we are unconditionally loved more than we can ever dare imagine. And not only that, but that God is working all things, no matter how easy or how difficult in your life, for your good and his glory. And that one day, we will be able to be in total, eternal joy and perfection and union with him for all of eternity. Simeon rested in these promises of God. And my prayer is that we would do um, the same. The next thing Simeon saw is that peace and satisfaction is found in Jesus alone. The scripture says, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon says, I've now experienced the greatest thing there is. I'm at total and complete peace. I've seen the salvation of God, and it is so grand that I can now feel confident dying. Because I've experienced the one thing that truly satisfies my longings. My life is completed in Christ, is what Simeon is saying. And the reality is, is this is the way things go with Jesus. Once you encounter and press into Christ, you can be at total and complete peace and be able to look even death square in the eyes and not have an ounce of fear. In Christ, we are more loved than we can ever dare to dream. And as we press into that, we can see life with with a new vision, honestly. 2 Corinthians 5 says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, we have a new story, a new uh, identity, a new name, a new trajectory in life, a, a new future. And because of how marvelous of a grace this is that, that Jesus gives to us, we can now experience this life to the full, as he says in John 10. When we come to grips with these new uh, realities in Jesus, we can experience the fullness of life that he intended and can be at peace. Um, now the problem is, uh, is, that so, is that we so often... Uh, search for this peace and satisfaction in the wrong things apart from Jesus. The Bible says that from the get-go of coming into this world, there's something extremely wrong with us. Uh, Psalm 51 says that, uh, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. From the jump, things are broken, they're, they're twisted, they're, they're not the way they should be, they're not the way God intended. Something's you know, not, not, not functioning properly. Relationships are broken. Um, our, our bodies are broken. Our minds are broken and don't function right. If you, if you turn on the news at, at any time, you'll only have to watch for a couple seconds to realize there's something wrong with this place. Um, you turn on the news and, and we see people shooting at each other, racism, political turmoil, war, abandonment. That's, that's not what God's intent was for this place. There's something wrong here and this sin uh, that that has a hold of us where it's broken us it's it's crippled us and it's stolen life from us and because we we and because of that we search for life and significance and and things that will let us down and things that that leave us empty and, and and gasping for air if you will and this void in our heart is still there it still exists and so a question I have for us this morning is, have you stopped to, to maybe recognize that there's something broken within us? Um, 
Have you ever think that, uh, you know, things aren't as they should be? Have you ever stopped to think, I shouldn't be having these thoughts? Why do I feel this, this emptiness inside me? Why do I maybe try so hard to get people to like me? Have you stopped to realize this? Um, now, I don't uh, say this to uh, be a Debbie Downer or anything, but uh, the reason I bring this up is because it's important for us to realize there's something broken in us so that we can be healed. We can't be healed unless we realize uh, that there is a problem. And what's beautiful is that Simeon is here to tell us there is a way to be healed in the midst of our brokenness. Our brokenness, this dissatisfaction, this emptiness, it's not the end of our story. Blaise Pascal, who um, is a famous French mathematician and philosopher, put it like this. He said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. This is what Simeon rejoices over. He says, I've seen the brokenness of this world. I know it all too well. I know there's something wrong, and I cannot wait for things to be made right. He says, thank you, Father, for making a way to be released from this brokenness. Thank you, Father, for changing our story. Thank you, Father, for for making a way. Thank you for giving me a hope in this child, Jesus. Again, when Jesus steps on the scene, everything changes. It was funny, when, uh, when I was in college, uh, some of my roommates uh, started relationships, and, and it was always funny to see, as, as they would start going on dates with girls, uh, some things in their life would change. Uh, you know, things would start, you'd notice the house might start getting a little bit cleaner, they would start being on time to things, they would start watching HGTV, um, or Gilmore Girls, or maybe start eating kale or, or something like that. You know, these girls stepped on the scene and everything changed for them. You saw these things start to change in their lives. In Christ, when he steps on the scene and we press into him, everything changes. We can never be the same. Um, The final point uh, that we'll cover that Simeon sees in Jesus as we close is this. Simeon saw that Mary would endure great pain because of this child. The scripture says... The child's father and his mother marveled at what was said about him by Simeon. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. A sword will pierce through your own soul too. Simeon saw that something evil was going to happen to this child, and Mary would be very hurt by it. He saw that this salvation uh, that was to come would not come without pain. And Mary is going to be hurt so terribly, uh, experience so much pain because of what unjustly happens to her sinless boy. While Jesus came to be the perfect example and perfect friend for us, he also came to be our perfect sacrifice. Um, seeing our need in this world, Jesus, uh, he willingly chose to come to this earth and, and endure shame, endure betrayal, physical pain beyond anything we can ever imagine, loneliness, uh, and ultimately be nailed to a cross. And he did all of this so that his worst day of being uh, abandoned, betrayed, enduring physical pain, enduring separation from 
God the Father, he did that so that on his worst day, that that could be our best day. His day of being abandoned and and dying on the cross gave you and I a new identity, a new story, a restored relationship with God, a new identity as children of God. That's what Simeon saw in Jesus. And my prayer for us as we end this year and think about what's, what's the best thing we can do to sort of put a bow on 2017, it's that we would marvel and rejoice in the same way that Simeon is being in total awe of the majesty and glory of Jesus, that he's true to his word, and that through his death and resurrection, he's offering a total satisfying and peace-giving salvation to all of us.